My name is Dawn. I serve as one of the pastors here at DSBC. And today I get the honor of continuing in our uh, Advent series called Cosmic Christmas. And I'm really excited about this series because I think many of us have heard the Christmas story. We see the nativity scenes, but we get maybe just a portion of the story. And as we've been going through this series, Cosmic Christmas, I feel like we are getting this bigger, fuller picture that it's not, this Christmas story is not just for us humans here on earth, but it's for the cosmos. And so I encourage you to lean in as we uh, continue the story today. Caleb started it off last week with the angel coming to, uh, to Mary to say that she would be giving birth to a son. And uh, today we're going to continue on in the story as the angels visit the shepherds. Now, uh, something that Caleb reminds us often that I want to remind you is that we, as we dig into scripture, we must remember that we are time-traveling tourists, meaning we are digging into words written by and for people of a completely different time, a completely different culture. And so sometimes it's our, uh, maybe our tendency to want to understand these words and these scriptures through our modern understandings. But I want to encourage you to see that there is a much bigger gift here for us as we consider uh, what our original hearers would have been hearing and understanding what the original writers would have been, uh, their perspective that they would have been coming from. And so as we read... Notice there's going to be some weird things. There's going to be some strange things that doesn't make sense to us. And I just want you to encourage you to be curious. Don't try to make sense of it. Don't try to make it fit into our modern scientific world. But just be curious. I wonder why that's there. What's that for? And I encourage you as well to ask God, okay, how? how if I'm hearing this, how do you want me to apply this or to understand this in my modern context? And as you're wrestling with that, I want to invite you all, if you do not have a class at 11 o'clock today that you're a part of, I encourage you to join me here at 11 o'clock for our weekly question and response. And so as you're pondering these things, as you're noticing these weird things, and we're not going to cover everything, obviously, in this time, I encourage you to bring your questions and your observations to that time, and we'll get to discuss it. We call it a question and response because we do not have all the answers. Nobody does. If they try to tell you that they know everything that the Bible has to offer, don't believe them. It's not true. It's, in fact, that might be dangerous. Let me just say that out loud. <laughs> but how God has designed us as a community is to be able to come together and to really explore these words together, to share our perspectives, share our curiosity. And that, again, gives us this fuller picture of what the Spirit of God might be revealing to us. So, again, Q&R at 11 o'clock today in here. So as we continue today, we're going to be in Luke 2. If you are in the room, I believe the uh, scripture passage is uh, put in the handout that you received on your way in. But listen, if you don't have a printed Bible at home, we have some available for you in the back of the room that are free to take. And we would love to give that to you as our gift. And if you're online and you don't have a printed Bible, you can also go online to uh, Bible.com and we will be in the Christian Standard Bible version. And I invite you to join us there. But we'll also have it on the screen. So Luke 2, 8 through 15. Remember, there's weird things. Be curious. Got it? We're good? Okay. All right. 
So we start off, in the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angels praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to the people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to the heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. This is the word of the Lord. Now, were there some weird things? Yeah, some things that made you question a little bit? Good, we're on the same page. Okay, so uh, in growing up, English and language arts was not my favorite subject. I preferred math. But one thing I did learn in, in English and language arts was when you're reading a story, it's really important to notice these components of a story. And it kind of, again, gives us that fuller picture to understand what the writer is trying to convey to us. And so we're going to notice in this story that this story has settings and it has characters and there's conflict and there's resolution. We're going to look at that today as we go through this passage. And I know there are other parts of components of stories. Please just have the love of Jesus for me and understand that this is not my skill set. <laughs> so we're just going to look at these four. Got it? So first, let's look at the setting. The setting in our passage do you, started off with in the same region. So when we're looking at scripture, we want to, again, be curious. What does it mean? When we take these passages and we take these handful of scriptures we need to remember that it's part of this bigger story. And so in the beginning of that passage, it says, in the same region. And that story just before we get to our passage is Mary and Joseph coming to the manger to have baby Jesus. So noticing that the shepherds in our story are in the same region as Mary and Joseph. We also want to notice that uh, where these shepherds and Mary and Joseph are living in the physical world in the current cultural context. And if you were here last week, Caleb talked a lot about what kind of um, world was Mary living in. They were living, it was the Jewish people, but they were occupied by whom? Rome. And was this a good occupation or was this a not so good? Not so good. So we've got these shepherds in this region and they're living under this politely not so good occupation. We'll say it that way. Okay, and then our story also mentioned that this baby was going to be born in the city of David. And so just noticing that the author here wanted to point out that this baby was born in a particular city. In what city? In the city of David. I wonder. I wonder why that might be important. Uh, For those of you um, who are Bible scholars, of course, you'll be like, oh, King David, he's the king in the Old Testament that everybody loves and... uh, the people of Israel were promised that their savior that they've been waiting for would come through the line of David. So it was very important that the author here points out that this baby is born in the city of David. And then lastly, we had the setting of these angels coming from the heavenly realm and then returning to the heavenly realm. 
And again, just noticing and understanding where our original authors came from and their perspective. Pastor Caleb shared us with us last week, the uh, ancient Israelites were really comfortable with understanding that there was this physical realm and this spiritual realm. And in fact, all the way at the beginning of our Bible, where God is creating everything, God creates the Garden of Eden. And we understand that in the Garden of Eden, both the physical and the spiritual realm are together and interacting with each other and cohesive together. But then after the fall, these two pieces come apart and you've got your physical realm and you've got your spiritual realm. But that didn't mean that the the Jewish people discounted the spiritual realm. They believed there was activity going on in the spiritual realm. That is where the God most high uh, resided, as well as uh, his messengers and other created spiritual beings. And so this was a concept that was very comfortable for our uh, early Israelites. And so just, again, noticing we've got... The, the physical place in which these shepherds are residing in and the things that they're dealing with there, the heavenly realms and their understanding of what that was, and then this baby born in the city of David. Okay, so I think we've got our setting. Let's move on to some characters. Now, this is what I'd like to have your help in this. What, are, what is a character that maybe we, we heard in our scripture reading today? The shepherds, right. So we've got these shepherds in our story. And just understanding a little bit more about who these shepherds are helps us to understand the fuller picture of the story. We know that the shepherds are part of the working class. And in fact, the scripture even told us that they were working the night shift. I don't know if that's good or bad, but they are the ones that are basically sleeping with the animals and keeping the animals safe. One of the roles of the shepherds was their job was to protect the sheep to provide for the sheep, and if necessary, to give their life for the sheep. And so, again, these are, these are characters who are heavily involved in their work. They're the working class, maybe the lower classes. They're certainly not the, um, the royalty. They're certainly not the important people. They're certainly not involved in the political realm where you would think the next king of Israel would be announced. These are the, this is the working class. This is the guys who are doing the night shift, who are sleeping with the sheep. Who else? What other characters did we have in our scripture? Angels, right. There was this, first of all, there was this one angel, right? And we were said, it was said that we, uh, that he was a messenger of the Lord. And it's just really important to notice that in the original scriptures, uh, in the original Greek, the word for angel is the same word used for God, Elohim. And so we're using the same word, and it's just talking about this spirit being. In fact, in one place in my research I was reading, it really, Elohim really meant um, the, the place where this, this creature resides. So the Elohim live in the heavenly realm. And again, as we said, the shepherds would have been comfortable with the idea of the spirit realm. The spirit realm. But again, it's kind of terrifying when they show up, right? Like, I... Just, I love sci-fi, and so I really hope that aliens are real, but I'm telling you, if one showed up right here, I think I would be a little bit freaked out, right? Because you just don't know, right? And so even though they're terrified, we've got this angel saying, you know, don't be afraid. I'm here with good news. And does that sound like something that we just heard last week? Yeah. What, what did we hear last week? What angel, who did the angel visit last week? Mary, right? So we've got this continuation of this story. Look at how it all is connected. Okay, so we've got this one angel, but then we also have what else? What other characters? 
these heavenly hosts, right? These massive amount of angels or massive amount of Elohim. And in fact, as we dig into the whole Bible as a whole story, we find out that there are thousands and thousands of these spiritual beings. And there's actually this hierarchy that we find out within the spiritual realm. Interestingly enough, there is this divine counsel that, that the God in the highest actually uh, confers with and takes, uh, takes thoughts from and maybe acts on those thoughts. But, but then you also have these, this messenger uh, group. So you have these different hierarchy of the heavenly hosts and some are maybe more powerful than others. But we also see in scripture that these heavenly hosts in Daniel, they're called watchers. So they're watching the physical realm. I wonder why. And then in 1 Peter, it talks about the angels did long to catch a glimpse of salvation. And so as we see this fuller picture, we start to see that maybe the angels are really curious about this, this redemption story. It's really interesting to them. Any other characters in our story? You're right, a baby. I, you guys are so smart. There's this baby that is connected to King David that we're told is, is going to be, it is a savior. And so notice in our scripture, it says that this baby was born a savior. Now, many times in the story of the Israelites, they were waiting for a king to save them from maybe the occupation or to become a great nation. But when babies are born, you're just maybe not sure where, how it's going to turn out. You're hoping, you're praying that this is going to be the one. But when the angel comes, it declares, this baby is a savior in this moment right now, which is just fascinating. How is a baby being born in a manger a savior? Why are the angels so excited? Why are they bursting through the heavens, displaying themselves to these shepherds? To say, to, to sing about how great this moment in history is. So now we're going to move into our conflict. What's the conflict? Now we talked about earlier already these shepherds and Mary and Joseph, they're living in this Roman occupied space that is not good. It, it's not a place for them to be free. Uh, there's a lot of violence because, as Caleb said last week, the Roman government ruled by the sword. They ruled by fear. And so there's this constant living in fear and occupation and fear of the sword. But then there's also this conflict of these people of God who have been following God and God promised them that they were going to be saved, that there was going to be this point of redemption, this point of everything restored a point when they will live fully as children of God with no fear. And so there's this conflict, there's this confusion. When is this going to happen? When is God going to redeem the whole world? And I believe the, the, uh, the display of the angels to the shepherds shows that this is not just the people of God who are wondering this, but again, the whole cosmos. In fact, I want to point your attention to Romans 8 where this is the, from the Message Bible. I like how it kind of tells this story a little bit clearer. It says the created world, and when we say created here, we mean everything that God created, including the spiritual beings. 
The created world itself can hardly wait for what's coming next. Everything in creation is being, is being more or less held back. God reigns it in until both creation and all the creatures are ready and can be released at the same moment into the glorious times ahead. Meanwhile, the joyful anticipation deepens. All around us, we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pains. But it's not only around us, it's within us. The Spirit of God is arousing within us. We're also feeling these birth pains. These sterile and barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. So in that scripture, it just really gives you this picture of this longing, this desperate need, this knowing that there is this redemption coming, but we're still feeling these birth pains, these, this, this expectation, but it, it's painful, and it's, it's heavy. And, but not only us as humans, but all of creation. And so no wonder the angels burst through the sky when the finally, notice that the, there's this one angel that comes and finally announces to the shepherds to say that Jesus is here. The baby has been born. God has come in flesh. And then finally, suddenly, all of the angels burst out, right? I just, I just think it's this pivotal moment for them. Like, finally, we've been waiting. Just like us humans have been waiting. Just like creation has been waiting. As it's decaying and dealing with brokenness and pain. And so I just imagined this is kind of like this moment for us where in the Christmas Carol, everybody knows the Christmas Carol. We see versions of it all the time. Uh, if you're from the 90s, you got Scrooge McDuck, right? And so, which I miss sometimes. But that moment when Scrooge finally realizes after the angel of death had visited him, he wakes up and he knows that he has another chance, that all the evil he had put in the world he could make right. Now, it doesn't change the whole world. It's just this moment that happens where he realizes there is hope. There is a change. Something is different. In fact, everything is different within him because of this hope. I also, if you're a sci-fi nerd like me, I also think of that moment when Luke Skywalker blows up the Death Star. Can you think about it? It's barreling down, right? And there's the rebellion is just, oh, this is our last chance. We don't know. We've got this massive Death Star that's blowing up planets. How do we fight that? We find out that there's this one opportunity in this small little place that we could blow up the Death Star. And Luke does it. It changes everything. It changes the rebellion. It changes the possibilities. Now, they're still living under the empire. The, the shepherds are still living under Rome. But there's a new hope. There's a new understanding that changes everything. Okay, I see you back there. They're laughing at me because the new hope is the name of the Star Wars. And just for this moment, I have to tell you that my kiddo told me I looked a little bit like a Jedi in this cape. So I'm very excited. But all right, enough Star Wars. I think there is a book about how like Star Wars and the gospel kind of go together. But I, I don't know. I, I haven't read it yet, so I don't recommend it. Anyway. But think about it. In this moment, the angels burst through the sky because they know this is the moment that changes everything. We were in this space, and we didn't know. We know God said he was going to do something, but we, we don't see it yet. And then God comes in the flesh. <coughs> Excuse me. And it changes everything. Now, again, 
it doesn't fix everything. Everything's not restored in that moment. We're still living in this space of brokenness and decay, but there's this hope. And as we have this hope, we're able to share that hope with others. I also want to just note that the angels, when they break out in this song, like, why is this particular Savior baby so important? How is this the resolution to our story? And I actually want to read the the passage to you from um, the First Nations version of the New Testament. If you were here uh, several weeks ago, maybe even a month ago, Terry Wildman was here, who was part of the team that put this together. This is the uh, interpretation from the First Nations people group uh, to give us maybe even a fuller picture of Scripture. And I just love how they give us this understanding of how important Jesus' birth is, the coming of God in human flesh. It says, it says, A great number of spirit warriors from the spirit world appeared above, giving thanks to the creator, saying, all honor to the one above us all, and let peace and goodwill follow all who walk upon this earth. See, Jesus' birth took God in the highest heavens, the highest God, and connected us directly in the lower earth. So honor and glory to the one that is above us all, above all created beings, and peace on earth and goodwill to the men who walk on earth. This baby connected, connected everything back together when we were pulled apart in Eden. Yes? But then I was curious, why come to the shepherds? Why is that important? Again, when we have authors who are right, they're, they're intentional about what they're putting in this story. And what does it mean that the angel or that God would choose to share this good news with shepherds versus kings in high places or powerful people who could get the word out in a, different, in a more powerful way? And then I started thinking about, in fact, it was awesome because I didn't know this was happening, but Berta and Caleb read the scripture earlier in our service calling the Lord the great shepherd and that we are the sheep of his pasture. All throughout scripture, all through the Old Testament, God is referred to as a ruler who is a shepherd. In fact, King David, that in the line in which Jesus would be born in, King David started out as a shepherd. And is credited for writing many of the Psalms. And he would call the Lord his great shepherd. Who would know better what that means than a shepherd? And how much more would a God our shepherd give than a human shepherd who already is committed to, giving, to providing and to giving up their life and being a protector? And so as, as God is announcing his son's birth to these shepherds, he's calling to the reader's understanding that this king is going to be a different king than what we're used to, a different king than the human kings, but instead is going to be a shepherd king, one that has come to provide, to create a place to belong, one that is going to protect even to the point of his own life. This is a shepherd king. How very different than what we see in our human world. And so as followers of this shepherd king, how are we to behave as we long to be restored, as we are desperate for our friends and our families and everyone to know this peace and hope that is available 
for all, as the scripture said. Now in scripture, we see how many who lived in anticipation of this day, the human responses to how they want to make this happen, that get the world to understand this restoration is coming. And some would would live in such a way that they would separate themselves completely from the world around them in order to remain holy. And then others might live in complete isolation, completely around everybody, away from everybody, and only live in their own little hermit bubble. Others might incite a violent uh, revolution to force the world to understand that Jesus is, is our hope and Jesus is our king, just like we would do in an earthly realm, right? And then others would compromise with the earthly powers of the day. But Michael Goheen, who wrote the book, uh, The True Story of the Whole World, shows the drama of scripture in this full picture. He says, but then talking about our shepherd king Jesus, then comes Jesus who refuses to walk any of these paths. He moves in a startling different way, a way of suffering love for enemies instead of their destruction forgiveness instead of hate, willingness to suffer instead of vengeance, and peacemaking instead of hymns of violent revenge. The Jesus way, our shepherd king that we follow, has a different way of showing the world the power and the gift of the kingdom of God by a way of suffering love for enemies instead of looking for their destruction, forgiveness instead of hate, willingness to suffer instead of vengeance, and peacemaking instead of hymns of violent revenge. How are we to live as we wait for everything to be restored, knowing that God coming in the flesh as a baby started this process and we're in that process, how are we supposed to live until that time is fully realized? We live as the shepherd king did. We recognize that love is much more powerful than violence. Amen? And so as we are living in this season, oops, whoops, we can, we can shut the screen down, guys. I'm sorry, I forgot to keep moving forward. As we are living in this season, <clears throat> And the world around us wants us to focus on the joy and the happiness and put on this face of, of all good things, because this is the season, right, for all good things. We recognize that there is still brokenness and decay in this world. There's still loss. There's still evil impacting us day in and day out. And so it's, for me, I, I just want to encourage you all to think about those in your life or maybe even where you're at right now, where you are dealing with that loss and that brokenness and it's just really, really hard to put on that happy, joyful face. Or maybe you are putting it on, but it's not where you're at. I want you to notice that in the scripture, Jesus again and again and again meets people exactly where they are, meets Mary exactly where she was, meets the shepherds exactly where they are meets us exactly where we are. He doesn't, need, he doesn't need us to put on a face or a mask. And in fact, 
the joy and the gift of Christmas is that there is this hope for this decay and loss to one day be gone. But not to ignore the fact that it is here today. So I want to encourage you, if you are in that space or if you know somebody who's really struggling this Christmas season and needs a place to process through Christmas, but also the pain and the loss that they're dealing with, I would encourage and would love to invite you to join me for uh, one of our partner organizations called the Spiritual Formation Society of Arizona puts on a blue Christmas every year. And it's just this beautiful place to come together and to recognize the hurt and the pain and to lament even the brokenness that we see in the world and light of that hope of Christ coming. And so we're going to put it up on the screen. There is a link here if you'd like some more information. Or you can find my email on the website and email me. I'll get you that information. I believe it is next Sunday night. And like I said, I will be there. Uh, I'd love to have any of you that join me that would like to join me. And then I would also encourage you to, again, be thinking of those in your life that might also be in that place and how you can give them, uh, you can validate where they're at, give them permission that it is okay with you to express that brokenness and hurt. They don't have to put on a mask for you. Now, each week during the Advent season, we have been taking time to reflect on how Christ's birth impacts all parts of our life. And we've been doing that as... uh, many churches all over the world do through the lighting of the Advent candle. And so as I light these candles, I would like you to take a moment to reflect again on maybe the brokenness and the pain and the decay that you see in this world And ask the Spirit of God to give you a greater understanding of how during this time as we celebrate God coming to the earth in flesh as a baby changes everything. And might change how you see day to day. How you see those in your life that create strife, that create tension. Maybe how you see those in your life who are going down a path that you wouldn't want for them. And how you would pray for them. And just take about 30 seconds to reflect on that. of the universe, creator of all, most high. We thank you that you give us glimpses of your kingdom here on earth, that you've given us that opportunity through the birth of your son, Jesus. I pray that you open our eyes to see even more where you're working, where your kingdom is breaking through. Give us wisdom to understand how love 
can be so much more powerful than the other powerful tools that we see in our world today. Give us courage to be able to stand in that, lo- that space of love despite all that we're seeing around us. God, I pray that you give us wisdom as we interact with those around us who we love, who we know, that even if they're in places uh, that are, we would wish that they weren't, that you would give us wisdom in the words to show them love in the way that they need to receive love. Thank you. Thank you for this reminder each year. And I pray that this reminder would impact us throughout the entire year, that we have a hope greater than any of the brokenness and any of the decay that we see in this world today, and that one day it will all be restored, and that we would see your kingdom constantly, that it would come and it would be a breath of freedom and fresh air to all of our souls. In your name, amen.